Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning again. It is good to be in the room together and uh, just to see the lobby and the love and just the fun of just being together as God's people. Uh, It's good if you're joining us online. Thanks for doing that. If you're listening on the way in, on the way to your church, it's good that you're listening. We welcome you. Hope you have a safe travel wherever you're going and uh, hope that you have a great week. We are in week eight of this study we've been in called Made for More. And it's this concept that God wants the best possible life for us. Jesus said, I have come that you have life abundantly. And God wants to write an amazing story for us. But we also all know that at times we like to write our own story. And so we've been looking at how how God wants to work in our life, the things God wants to put in our life, the things God wants to do in our life when we let him, when we operate. I love that we've been talking about being in step with the Holy Spirit, when we stay in step versus being out of step or with our sinful nature. And so we've been in this study we call the fruit of the spirits. It's this idea that there's this power of God living in us. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in each of us. In Acts 2, when the church started, uh, Peter stood up and preached, and then the people said, what do we do? And he said, well, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is this power that we have in us to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. And it's so that daily learning of how to operate in that power, and that's what we've been looking at. We've been in the book of Galatians. We've been looking at uh, verses 16 through 26. Let me read it for us. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. There's the trick, isn't it? That's really the goal we want, the Holy Spirit guiding our lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit, this power that lives in us, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. That's our goal. This week I read that there are just under 8 billion people in the world. I think 7.8 billion, something like that. I can't imagine the prayers that were offered this week from 7.8 billion people. 
I think everything imaginable was prayed for probably of prayers of joy and praise and blessing and prayers of pain and desperation, prayers from people who their nations are at war, prayer for nations where there's drought, where they're starving, all those things from billions of people. There's about 1,500 to 2,000 of us part of FCC. I imagine a lot of prayers were offered this week just locally from us. Prayers, again, of praise, of thanks. We saw gas go down eight cents, and we're like, whoa, thank you, Jesus. You know, everybody's offering prayers of praise for that. And, and we have all these things that we're lifting up. But I think it would be safe for me to say that very few people, if any, prayed for our topic today. I ask a lot of people. I ask just people I went into that I knew. I ask missionaries. I ask preachers. I ask people on staff. And nobody could think of a time. I could not think of a time that I ever prayed for God to develop this fruit that we're going to talk about in our life. And we've prayed for all the other ones. I mean, we the ones we've talked about the last seven weeks, we've prayed for Love and joy and peace. People come and say, oh, Gary, pray for patience for me. You know, I got this this week. Or, or pray, or next week, self-control. Pray for self-control. You know, pray, I just want to be more loving. I have never had somebody come out and say, Gary, would you just pray that I would become a gentler person? And I've never asked God for that, you know. What man would, you know. We just, we aren't going to say, God, make me gentle, it's just not something, and I think it's because we've understood, we've misunderstood the word that it's like, and, and you know, we know there's no order to the list. We know that like self-control is not the last one, so we know all these, but if we were making the list, gentleness would not make the list because we would not pray, and I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but I think it'd be safe to say that not a one of you have ever prayed for God to make you a gentler person. So, Turn to the person next to you and say, I want to be more gentle. Now ask God forgiveness for lying. Because I don't think we mean it. I don't think we understand it. I don't think we, we grasp this concept. So that's what we want to do this morning. I want us to see that, that this idea of gentleness is not what we think culturally today. But it's a part of who God is. And all of these fruit are a part of God's character. And so God wants to put in us so that we can accomplish the mission of other people seeing God through us, all of these. And if we shortchange it, if we don't, if we cut one out, then, then it hurts everything. Matthew, Jesus was sending his disciples out and he said, I want you to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We read that as Christians and think that means we can be meaner than snakes. And in our, we live in a culture where it's just like there's no gentleness in anything we do or we say and, and there's anger and there's meanness and there's never a better time for this fruit that God wants in our life to be displayed. I think, I think we need to understand these are not personality traits. I mean, all of us, if I said, how many of you know a gentle person? You go, go well, maybe so-and-so, you know, they're quiet or or, you know, they're a little feminine acting or they're this. And it's not positive. We wouldn't think of that person, you know. And, and we think of this, this trait. But these are traits of God. These are not personality traits. Not a one we've talked about we can do ourselves. I can't be more loving. I mean, I can be nice. But we can't be the loving, joy, peace, patience, all those things. We can't be those without God. God wants these in our life. And he's willing to put them there unless we 
put up obstacles for that. So we want to see how to be more gentle. In 1 Peter, he was writing to a church that was living uh, in a horrific time. They were Christians under a horrific government. I mean, uh, horrific to the point that Christians were getting blamed for everything. Christians were being killed uh, just because they were Christians. And here's what he writes to them. If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. In a time of persecution, he said, this gentleness will accomplish more. This will be stronger than anything else you do. Paul's writing <clears throat> to the church at Ephesus, and he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. This gentleness, we don't talk about it a lot, but it was a strong part of the early church. It's a strong part of what God wants in his people to make a difference in the world. So here's our big idea for the day. Gentleness best reflects the love of God to others. Gentleness best reflects the love of God to others. I, I think gentleness, as I've really focused on this this week, I think gentleness even as a multiplier for all the other fruit. It's the miracle grow of all the other fruit. Because I found when I really prayed this week and I really focused on God every day, I'm like, okay, I want everything I do to be, to be through this filter of gentleness. I was more loving. I was more patient. I was more kind. I just found like, wow, if I can get a handle on this gentleness, if I can really, the one that I've always just ignored, if I can start giving some attention to that, it makes all the other fruit grow faster, stronger, better. This gentleness. So here's a definition. Here's a couple definitions of gentleness. Having great power, but yielding it for the benefit of others. Having this great power but yielding it. Exercising God's strength under God's control and demonstrating that power without harshness. I like those two definitions. God's strength under God's control without harshness. Think of the picture. <clears throat> if you ever handed your three-year-old a puppy, what did you say? Be gentle. Be gentle. If you ever brought home a new baby and you've got a five-year-old, what did you say? Be gentle, be gentle. Ladies, your first child, when you handed it to your husband, what did you say? Be gentle. And guys, remember how we freaked out? We were so gentle, so cautious. That mindset is the mindset God said, I want to put that in you for everybody. Everybody you meet, Every circumstance you come into, I want you to think of that puppy. Think of that baby. I want you to think of the gentleness by which I love on you. In the Old Testament, it talks a lot about God and his gentleness. And I think we don't like the word because we think it robs us of power. But instead, it really displays an amazing power. In Isaiah, in the 40th chapter, in verse 11, he says this, and he's talking about God or about the Messiah that will come. He says, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He'll carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart, and he will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. And we go, oh, yeah, but what about the power? Well, listen to the verse right before that. The sovereign Lord is coming in power. 
He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes, but he does it in the gentleness of a shepherd. Doesn't take away God's power to be gentle. Listen to chapter 42. Again, he's talking about Jesus. He says, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. And we go, yeah, that's what we cheer for, justice. All those pagan sinners, they need justice. But he says, he will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. But he will still bring justice to all who have been wronged. Justice with gentleness, power with gentleness. I think we miss that. I think we miss it in, in the way we talk about Jesus coming again, the second coming, and we talk about judgment day. And, and it's scary that I see Christians talk about judgment day with a glimmer in their eye and a smile on their face and go, yeah, that's when God's gonna send all the sinners to hell. That's gonna be a good day, you know? Jesus, come back. Let's, get, let's fix this problem. Let's just get all the bad people out of here. We understand, man, God does not want that to happen. Judgment day will be the saddest day for God. If you've ever been in a situation where you had a family member on life support and they come to you and they say, okay, you have to make the decision. Man, you put that off. You try everything you can to, to give opportunity, to give hope, to give some reason. And we wonder why Jesus hasn't come back. Man, God has a passion for every person that's lost, and he doesn't want to come. I love that he says, I come with gentleness. Yes, I'm going to come with justice because that is part of my character. But even a bruised reed, even, a, even a, something that's injured, I won't break it. A candle that's just flickering like the last bit of life in it, I will not put it out. Aren't you glad that's how he sees us? We're broken, we're a mess, but he's not come just to go, oh, just cut it down, you're a waste. He wants to come, and gentleness is how God operates, and gentleness is how he wants us to operate. Jimmy and I were talking this week, and he said he had an a older preacher. I don't say old anymore since I are. He said he had an older preacher friend who told him, you know, Jimmy, the only people that like fire and brimstone sermons are old saints, you know, we kind of get, we get fired up on telling people how terrible they are, you know, and God doesn't, and he doesn't, he wants us to love people in gentleness. Jesus in Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Jesus modeled this power, but with gentleness. In Mark 6, one time with his disciples, he just, they had just done all these miracles. They'd fed a bunch of people. And he saw me. He goes, hey, guys, come on, let's go away and let's just rest. Just you and me. Let's just get away for a little bit. The best picture is maybe John 8. Where the Pharisees, religious leaders, bring this woman and they throw her down at Jesus' feet and go, we caught her, caught her right in the act of adultery. You know what the law says? She should be stoned. What do you say? And he would have had every right under Jewish law to say, you're right, stone her. The power was there, but so was the gentleness when he told them, hey, you guys that don't have any sin, you throw the first rock. And then when they all leave, he says, They've all left. I don't condemn you either. Just go and leave your life of sin. 
that bruised reed he did not break, that flickering candle he did not put out. But gentleness is a character of God that he displays all the time with us. And he says, you want to change the world? Display that character. Let Walk with my spirit so that you will be gentle and I'll put that in you and you'll change the world. Not because of how smart you are, how right you are, how loud you are, but because of how gentle you are. Some translations use the word meekness here. I personally think there's a difference between meekness and gentleness. I think meekness... Jesus talked about the first time he ever taught his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. He set them down and he said, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. And he said, blessed are the meek. I think meekness is how I see myself. That I need to see myself with the reality of who I am in comparison to God and that I'm a mess and, and I don't have anything to prove. I don't need to puff up. I mean, God's taking care of my sin. He's forgiven me. I don't need to prove anything. When people say, man, Gary, you're a disaster. I go, you don't know the half of it. You know, because God's taking care of that. Meekness is how I see myself. Gentleness is how I respond to every other person in the world. Gentleness, the fruit of gentleness is what everybody sees in my response to them. And it will transform us. I think one of the best examples of transformation was the Apostle Paul. Man, when he was Saul, he was a tyrant. You know, he didn't know Jesus, but he knew the law and he was living under the law and he was right. He was, he was you know, brilliant. He was a leader. He had been given papers to arrest Christians. Because, man, he was, he was a tyrant. He was doing God's work, God's law, and he was throwing people, dragging them out of their house, throwing them in jail, killing them. And then he meets Jesus. And the Holy Spirit brings that transformation. Colossians 2 says, when we're baptized, God transforms our heart. He cuts away the sinful nature. And the Holy Spirit begins to develop these things so that we see a few years later, Paul's writing to the Thessalonian church. And he tells them, he said, you know, he talked about a visit they had had. He said, we could have exerted our authority as apostles among you. We could have walked in there and said, we're the apostles, do what we tell you. But he said, instead, like a nursing mother cares for her children, we care for you. Power, but gentleness. The power of God controlled through gentleness. When he's mentoring these two young pastors, Titus and Timothy, he writes to Titus and he says, remind people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be people, considerate and always be gentle toward everyone. When he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, 2.23, he writes this. He said, I tell you, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. He must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. You can't be talking about the church there. There are no difficult people in the church. You must be talking about the world. You know, be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct the power of God's word and we present it to people and we don't do it with gentleness and we wonder why it doesn't take. We wonder why the world doesn't listen. We got the Bible and we're quoting Adam and we're hitting him over the head with it and we're like, well, this is what the Bible says. This is what, right? This is, you're sinning and, and we wonder because we're not presenting it all like the Holy Spirit wants us to present it. Because when you instruct, you present the truth but you do it with gentleness. 
as if you're holding that puppy or that new baby or that everybody you see is that candle about to go out. Don't be the one that snuffs it out. Be the one that encourages it and keeps it lit. God's character is in us, which means gentleness has to be a part. Talked to one guy this week. He goes, no, I've never prayed for gentleness, but I got the others in pretty good shape. I'm like, well, you know, that's how we think, isn't it? In our humanists, we go, well, let's see, there's nine of them. I got five. I'm above the curve, you know. I'm, I'm halfway there, and I'm really good at love, joy, and peace. Listen, if gentleness is not something that God's, we're letting God produce in our life, the others are not legit. They're just religious actions. But if the Holy Spirit is in us, and we're saying, God, I want to walk in step, then we will address the harshness in our life. And every word that comes out of us, every opportunity, every attitude will be in gentleness toward the world. And we'll see a change in their perspective about God. So how do we do that? Let me give us some steps toward gentleness, okay? Two things that have to happen for us to be willing. And this is all part of that continuation of Psalm 139. You know, we had that two weeks ago. We said, hey, let's just pray this every day. God, search my heart. <laughs> you know, if there's any way in me that needs to change, let's change it. This is part of that. Two things that are gonna have to happen. One is we have to be willing to submit to God. God says, be gentle. It's not an option. Can't say it's not me. It's not what we do. It's not what men do. It's not what women do. We gotta stand up. It's not an option. That's just wrong. That's saying God is wrong. God says, gentleness needs to be a part of your life if you're gonna shine and accomplish what I want you to accomplish to honor me. So it's submitting to God that he knows best and that he's gonna write the best story. That Psalm 139, where the last verses we use, search my heart, O God, the first verse says, O Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. Which is the second part of moving toward gentleness. It's just examining ourselves honestly. About two months ago, three months ago, I was having some knee trouble and I went to the doctor and he said, you need an MRI. You know, that's that magnetic resonance imaging thing. So I said, okay. So I went and got the MRI and a few things, uh, you know, the MRI shows you things. It's not an x-ray, but it shows you things that shouldn't be there if they're not supposed to be or it shows you things that, that you need to do or whatever needs to take place. Well, this week I've worked on a spiritual MRI, Okay. I got some things, so that's how we want to wrap up. Our takeaway today is we're going to take this spiritual MRI. I'm going to give you four or five questions if you want to write them down. These are good daily things to go through. When I went to get my MRI, though, they gave me some pre-test questions. You know, they want you to answer some things before you slide you in that tunnel of fear uh, that you go in. So here's the two questions before we do a spiritual MRI. Number one, am I teachable? And if your answer is like, well, if I ever meet somebody smarter than I am, I am. <laughs> Maybe you need to dig a little more into that. Am I teachable? Am I willing to let God's spirit teach me some new things? And the second question is just as serious. Is transformation wanted? I think too often in our walk with God, our walk with the Holy Spirit, we just get fat, dumb, and happy. You know, we're pretty content with where we are. Everybody thinks we're a pretty good person. Everybody thinks we, you know, we're doing okay. We're not rocking the boat. We're not causing any harm. You know, most people would say we're a good person, so we just kind of stop there. Are we willing to say, God, 
I want to be transformed. And if that's what's necessary for me to have all of this fruit that your Holy Spirit wants to grow in me, then transform me. If we can answer those two questions, then we can move into the, the MRI, okay? Uh, unlike a physical MRI, a spiritual one can be painful. And since it hurt me, I figured it might as well hurt you. This was, these were hard questions, so I don't want to share the pain alone, okay? Number one, am I considerate, generous, and fair in dealing with others? Am I considerate, as opposed to rigid, harsh, and demanding? Am I considerate, generous, and fair in dealing with others? And when I say others, I mean every, everybody, all others, whatever you call them. Whoever is them to you, oh, those people, oh, them. Yeah, that's others. Number two, do I tell myself I'm standing on principle when I'm really just demanding a right to express my opinion? And Saul had to make that transition, demanding his right to, to that transition. Do we just say, well, somebody's got to take a stand? Man, I've had more discussions in gentleness in the last month of people going, when are you as a preacher going to take a stand in this country? I go, you know, God never told me to take a stand. Jesus never spoke a negative word against the government, which was anti-Christianity. You know what Jesus did say? Love your neighbor and turn the other cheek. Let your kindness be shown. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let every word that comes out of your mouth be encouraging. So the mission of God is more important. Am I willing, do I tell myself I'm just standing on a principle so I can express my opinion? Number three, do I use language to gain social power and conversational power over others? Man, that one was a hard one. We love when we can make a point in a conversation just to drill somebody, don't we? And we even do it with kindness and love, but we'll, we'll say something and it's not gentle. And if that person, if there's someone listening and they're the bruised reed, man, we have broken them. Number four, in any area of my life, would I be considered harsh or abusive to the spirit of others? This may be one we especially examine at home. It's amazing, isn't it, how gentle we can be with strangers and how harsh we can be with family, with people close to us? In any area of my life, would I be considered harsh or abusive to the spirit of others? That prompted some time of repentance in my heart. Number five, am I tough on others but gentle on myself? Am I tough on other people but gentle on myself? If we want to stay in step with the Spirit, we will ask God to do this spiritual MRI, to search my heart, oh God, and if there's any way in me that's offensive to you, let's get rid of it. Because I really do want to walk where every one of these is seen in my life. I challenge you this week, verse 25 of our passage, we've been, it says, since we're living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. How many times I've read over this passage and it's never crossed my mind the importance of gentleness. And yet I really do want your spirit 
to be growing these things in my life. Forgive me of the obstacles that I have put in the way of that. Father, we want to be known as a gentle church. We want to be known as gentle people that operate in your power, but with a gentleness and love for every person we meet, everyone we come in contact, that they might know the character of the God you are. That when they see us, they might see you. So Father, search our hearts. Anything in us that does not bring you honor and glory, make us aware through your word and through our friends, through our connections, that you might be honored by all we do. Father, make us gentler in every word and attitude. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.